For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. And he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God, or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke, to the, word, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Well, friends, we are continuing in the story of Jesus. Today's message is called Good Things. And friends, um, you know, one of the things that I notice in this world is that we have a lot of technology. And I got to say, I love technology. Technology makes our lives easier. It's great. Um, and one of the things it does is it speeds things up. It makes things more convenient. And that's definitely not a bad thing. Um, you know, it, it, things that used to take a lot of time for us don't take nearly as long, you know, and I, I probably wouldn't have it any other way. Uh, but I think there's consequences for that, that probably we don't always see. But, you know, there was a time where, uh, you know, even something like, you know, watching a movie, you know, um, as fun as that can be, um, if you watched a movie, like in the movie theater, back in the day, like this is like, you know, before uh, we had, you know, our instant videos and, you know, before we had Blu-rays and before we had... DVDs, and before we had uh, videotapes or VHS. If you don't know what that is, maybe ask someone who looks about my age. <laughs> you know, before we had all that stuff, all we had was the movie, you know? And, like, like, you just had to have, like, a really good memory, or you had to go watch it several times. And actually, they would have, like, second, third, fourth run runs of very popular movies because it was the only way to watch it, Right? So you had to pay for a movie ticket and go watch it in the cinema. There was no other option. You know, but gradually things got, you know, faster. Things got more convenient. And nowadays, you know, you can watch 
uh, a, a movie in HD quality on your phone. And it happens instantly. You know, it's crazy how, much, <laughs> how these things have gotten so much better. I remember when I was in college, like it would take like maybe all day to uh, download like a grainy video. It would be like horrible. Like it would be so hard to watch. You're like, is that Luke Skywalker? I can't tell. You know, it's like so grainy, you know, but it would take like literally all day to do it. But I would be like, wow, this is mind blowing, right? This is so great. It's so convenient. But now things are getting so fast. And if you're not fast, you die. Right? Like block, but well, okay. You don't die, but in, in the industry, right? Like Blockbuster Video, the place where you used to uh, rent videos, man, they're, they're not around anymore because they didn't adapt fast enough, right? You know, if you want anything now, it's so convenient. You know, it'll get shipped to you. You know, Amazon really jumped onto this train of trying to make things very convenient. You know, so if you want anything, like back in the day, it had to be like, okay, if you want something, go to the store and try to find it. And maybe your store in your, you know, where you live doesn't have what you need. Then what do you have to do? Well, you got to go drive to another store, you know, and maybe even that store doesn't have it. Maybe it's not even in your town. You got to drive to another city, you know, or get it shipped and you got to wait a couple weeks for that or whatever. You know, but Amazon has made it so that obviously we know, right? Like you want anything, just look it up. Internet, it's great, right? You know, the internet has brought information to us. What used to take, you know, hours and hours of pouring over material, you know, those index cards at the library, right? Now all you got to do is type it in and it just instantly gets beamed to your computer by magic, right? Or technology, science, whatever, same thing, right? You know, and one of the things though that's kind of interesting is with Amazon, Amazon kind of had this conundrum um, where we like convenience, we like having things uh, sent to our house, right? So you don't have to you know, waste gas or drive to a store. Um, but one of the things that was sort of a conundrum for people is like, what is more important to you, time or convenience, right? Because Amazon, for the longest time, it wasn't faster to get it sent to your house because you'd order something and it would take like three to five days, you know, so if like the latest like Harry Potter book came out or there's some like, like, you know, movie or video game you really wanted and it came out that day, a lot of people didn't want to wait three to five days. So you'd be like, you know what? I'm just going to get in my car. I'm going to drive to the store. I'm going to buy it, right? But then Amazon was like, okay, well, we got to give people what they want. So they started getting faster. You know, they, instead of three to five days shipping, they had two days shipping, and then one day shipping. And now they have, I kid you not, same day shipping, right? In some cities. It's not in Ann Arbor yet, is it? Coming soon. Coming soon, right? You know, and, and there, there's this uh, um, cartoon I found where, you know, all this stuff is great. It's great, but what is it doing to our souls? You know, is there a consequence for this? You know, so in, in this comic, two clicks. To finish an online shopping purchase? You've got to be freaking kidding me. Forget it. How much harder can they make this? Uh, that's my, you know, <laughs> nerd on the internet voice. Sorry. Um, you know, we're like, oh my gosh. You know, uh, I got to click on all these screens and, you know, I got to verify my purchase and enter my shipping information and the credit card. You know, if I just go to the store, I just swipe. And so they try to make it easier. Now you have one click purchases, just and you're done, right? And 
friends, you know, this kind of just goes to show that maybe there's some of us that we start getting spoiled by that. We start getting impatient. Now, it's very tempting for this sermon to go in the direction of talking about patience. Because we are talking about patience, by the way. Uh, that, that is, we're talking about waiting. Uh, but it would be very tempting for us to just talk about patience as a virtue unto itself. That would be a fine sermon. I'm pretty sure I've preached sermons like that before. But that's not what today is about. It is about patience for something. Waiting on something. You know, uh, do, do you know that, that saying, good things come to those who wait? That's actually where the title of the sermon comes today. Good things. Good things come to those who wait. And, and as I've been thinking about waiting and how impatient we've become, what's kind of funny is actually um, for all the conveniences that we have, for how we've been trained by technology to expect things to show up instantly, and if it doesn't, we get frustrated, Right? Uh, we just gotten so used to that. We, we have become formed in that way to become impatient. For all of that, we actually still know how to wait. But the thing is, it has to be worth waiting for, right? You ever go to a restaurant that's got like a line out the door, you know? Or maybe there's some place that has like, I don't know, like famous donuts or something uh, in New York. I, I guess a few years ago, I don't know if this craze has passed, but they used to have these cronut things. It was like, a croissant and a donut together. And people were like, oh my gosh, I have to have it. And people would line up around city blocks to get a cronut in New York, right? Imagine that. You know, there's like so many donut places, but they're like, oh, but you can't get a cronut anywhere except this place, and I'm going to wait for it. And people would wait for hours for these things. You know, have you ever done this before, friends? Have you ever waited for a long time? You know, maybe Ajishin and Novi, you know? It's like, there's really good udon, you know? Tiny little restaurant. The, the service, they're kind of mean to you, but you're like, you know what? The udon, it's worth waiting for. I'm going to wait two hours for this, right? So, friends, if it is worth waiting for, we know how to, to wait for it, right? But what about McDonald's? What, what if there's a two-hour wait for McDonald's? <laughs> a two-hour wait for Taco Bell? A two-hour wait for some mediocre udon? Would you, would you wait for that? Would you put up with that? Probably not, right? So we know how to wait for things. You know, um, like one example is like, like the iPhone. You know, it used to be that every time an iPhone would come out, there'd be a wait. That there would be like a midnight release, and all these people would be outside of Best Buy. Oh, iPhone, new iPhone, right? They'd be so excited, you know? But now, like, after a while, I don't know, man. You know, after, sorry, this is my little commentary on Apple products. But, you know, after Steve Jobs passed away, the, the quality's kind of gone down. You know, they're like, iPhone 6, iPhone 7, iPhone 8, kind of looks the same. Do I really want to shell out, you know, $500 for this? And so now people don't wait as long anymore, right? They see a long line, they're like, ah. I'll wait for iPhone 9, you know? It's, it's, it's not worth waiting for, right? And so, friends, you know, what we are talking about in God are there are good things that I think perhaps are waiting, worth waiting for. But one of the things that I've realized also is not just that, you know, perhaps we need to learn how to wait, but sometimes it's about expectation, Right? Um, so just talking about technology, one of the th- little pieces of technology that has made my life easier and that's just been blowing my mind is um, 
the Instant Pot. Have you guys, do you guys know what an Instant Pot is? It's a pressure cooker. And so it used to be that like, like there'd be certain dishes, like pot roast or whatever, it would take like eight to 10 hours of slow cooking, right? To, to get like, like soft meat, you know? And it, you would just have to cook it all day in a crock pot or whatever, right? But the Instant Pot, you can do it in like, it's like five times as fast, right? Like, like you can get uh, that same, you know, soft meat, but it'll take like 30 minutes or whatever, right? And so I, I bought this Instant Pot, you know, strangely enough or coincidentally, I got it through Amazon, right? <laughs> Instantly one click, you know? Uh, but but I, I, I got my Instant Pot and, you know, I was like, oh man, this is going to be great. I'm going to cook these dishes so quickly. And I just want to show you, uh, this is one of the dishes that I cooked. I cooked this on Wednesday. It's uh, 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 in Korean, forgive my horrible pronunciation. You, you, you guys can laugh, it's okay. Dakjim? Jim? It's like a, like, you have to say it like, like with emphasis. Jim? Dakjim? Am I saying it right? Dakjim? Uh, so, stewed chicken, right? It's very soft, stewed chicken. And uh, I, I made this, and... You know, I got to say, it was amazing. Like, like Dakshim should take, like, hours to make. But in the Instant Pot, I, I saw this video. Like, like uh, one of the friends from LGM, they sent me this video for how to make Dakshim. And it, it, it said that it'll take 12 minutes to cook, right? I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is going to be awesome. This is amazing, right? And so I, I got everything ready, got all my ingredients, put it in the Instant Pot, and then I, I, I like, sealed it and then set the time. Poultry, 12 minutes. Boom! I'm like, okay. And I waited. And nothing happened. And I'm like, wait, wait, wait. There's like no numbers here. Right? It, it doesn't tell me how much time is ticking down. Right? And I waited. And it was like 10 minutes. And then 12 minutes passed. And there's like no numbers or anything. And I started worrying. I was like, did I do something wrong? You know, did, did I just get a faulty Instant Pot from Amazon? You know, I knew it was too good to be true. It was on sale, right? You know, and I started worrying. And then, you know, my kids are like, mmm, that smells good. When's dinner going to be ready? I'm like, calm down, okay? It's going to be ready. It's going to be ready when it's ready. I started getting, like, antsy about it, right? And so, like, like, all this time ticked by. And what I didn't realize was when you set the Instant Pot, um, it takes about 15 minutes for it to fully seal and for the pressure to get to the point where it can cook. So this is one of the tricks. They're like, oh, it only takes 12 minutes. No, it doesn't. It takes about 25 to 30 minutes, right? But they don't tell you that because they're like, oh, only 12 minutes, so fast, right? And so the thing is, remember what I told you in the beginning. How long does it normally take to cook takjim? It takes like hours and hours, right? So now it only takes me 30 minutes. But the problem was that I thought it took 12 minutes. So I was getting impatient, Right? I was getting like, oh my gosh, what's wrong with this, right? And, you know, after all was said and done, I was like, whoa, that was still really, really fast. But my expectation was that it was going to be much faster than it was, right? If I had known that, if I had known that it took 30 minutes, then I wouldn't have been uh, as impatient about it, right? And I wonder if there is a, a, a corollary for our spiritual lives, Maybe some of us have the wrong expectation for how long things really take in the spiritual life. Remember last week, because this week is very, very much kind of a sequel to last week. Uh, We ended with this verse, the verse about um, how there's much fruit that can come through good soil, right? So 
Having good soil or a good soul, right? A, a, a soul that is not blocked by the distractions of life, that the word of God can come in and bear much fruit. And this is where we ended with this image, this, this promise, this vision of what your lives can be like. It says, but those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. It's a beautiful vision for how fruitful our lives can be. Oh my gosh, so many good things can come out of your life, right? You can bear a lot of fruit. But this is the question that I have for you, friends. How long does it take? How long does it take? Is it instant? The moment the word of God hits your soul, psh, ah, and then just fruit, 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 fruit. Like goodness, goodness, goodness. Love, 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 love. Forgiveness, forgiveness, forgiveness. Is that how it works? Is that how it works? Because I, I want to tell you something that for me um, has really kind of uh, uh, made my spiritual life a lot harder than maybe it had to be. And maybe this is true of you is I didn't understand how long things take. I would hear passages like this, and, you know, maybe just because we live in a culture that we expect results, right? We, we like instant gratification. I expected there to be instant results in my life. And when there wasn't, I get really discouraged. I would be like, you know, Pastor Steve, like hitting the instant pot, like, it's not working! It's not working, you know? And I didn't realize that all that time, it was working. It just, that, that's how much time it takes, right? There is a process that goes before the process where you see the results. You know, after 10 to 15 minutes of the pressure, you know, building up, all of a sudden you see the 12, bing, and then it starts ticking down, 11, 10, 9. But it took a while to get to the point where I could even see some of the results. And maybe that's true in our spiritual lives, too. Um, friends, when we're talking about what is going to come from our spiritual lives, I think some of us have unrealistic expectations of what that's going to look like. But I think also some of us lack the vision for what that looks like in the world. Because what does that mean? That out of your lives is going to come much fruit, like 30-fold, then 60-fold, then 100-fold. You know, we talked a little bit about, you know, the fruit of the Spirit. You know, good things are going to come out of your life, right? But I think one of the, the things that we also get a little confused about the spiritual life is what is it really for? Is it just for yourself? Is it just a private thing? You know, you receive the word of God and maybe there's fruit in your own life. Like, I feel better. I feel forgiven. I feel more at peace. I feel less stress. And the scripture that we uh, started reading today puts that, uh, that concept to rest very, very quickly. So verse 21, he said to them, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand, right? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And so this idea that if you have a light it is meant to shine. It's a good thing that's going to bring light to the world, right? You are not supposed to hide it. You're not supposed to just bury it underground. One of the things that's kind of interesting is it talks about, you know, anything secret 
is going to be made to light. It's going to be made known at some point. And there's been a big secret that has been going around in Mark. We haven't mentioned it that much. We've just kind of like in passing. But you, you probably noticed that in a lot of the instances where Jesus heals somebody, right, where Jesus drives out a demon, what does he say to them next? In many cases, he says, shh, don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. And some of you may be wondering, you're like, what, Jesus, why would you do that? It makes no sense. But Jesus knew the timing for things. It's not, it's not time yet. And there's actually the story where Jesus heals the leper and he tells him, shh, don't tell anyone. Okay, you, you just go back and you present yourself to the priest and show him that you're clean and be part of society again. But the leper doesn't listen. What does the leper do? He tells everyone, right? This is what Jesus did. And then what happens from that? What happens? People hear about it and they start crowding Jesus and Jesus can't go back into the city. Jesus' ministry is hampered because this guy didn't obey what Jesus said. Jesus said, hey, keep it under wraps for now. There's going to be a time, but right now I need to go through the city, right? And because he didn't listen to the timing of Jesus, it screwed everything up, right? But Jesus says, yeah, there are some things that are hidden, some things that are secret, but they are going to be made known. Maybe the disciples were thinking, oh, this is great. We're seeing all these awesome, mind-blowing miracles of God. And maybe for some of them, when they see Jesus saying, shh, don't tell anyone, they're like, yeah, because it's a secret between us and Jesus. We're the only ones who get to see this. It's so good. It's so good. It feeds my soul. It makes me feel better. I wonder if some of us, that's the way our Christianity is. We keep it to ourselves. It's just for us. Oh, so good. So good. It feels so good. Man, you know, worshiping God, it feels so good. Hearing the word of God, it's a balm to my soul. It brings peace. But Jesus, I think, is very clear. You know, maybe there's a time where that seed needs to be hidden. Just like a seed gets hidden in the ground, right? That's how you plant a seed. It needs to go deep and into private places of your life where only you can receive that. You need to receive it first in private. But make no mistake, one day it is going to come to light. That plant is going to bloom, right? That plant is going to grow for the whole world to see. That light will not be hidden forever. And if the light is within you, it is meant to shine. Why? Because it's a good thing. It's a very, very good thing. And he says, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is very interesting. One of the things that Jesus says is, you know, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you, right? And so oftentimes, the way that we think about what is good and what is right in this world, we don't apply it evenly to ourselves and to other people, right? Like a lot of times we look at this world and we want this world to be at peace. We want other people to be nice, right? But we may not have the same expectation of ourselves, right? So we're very critical when somebody cuts us off in traffic. 
hey, why you got to be like that, man? Why are you so impatient? But when we cut someone off in traffic, we're like, well, you know, I'm late. <laughs> you know, we make an excuse. Well, there was a reason why I had to do that. Do we use the same measure? Are we looking at this world and saying, this world is messed up? But the question is, are you messed up? Are we using the same measure? It will be measured to you. And based on that measure, God is going to be able to build things upon it. Right? So this, this saying that seems a little weird and maybe even a little mean where he says, for to the one who has, more will be given. And the front, from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And friends, I think what it is, is this idea of the kingdom seed that is being built in you. That on that foundation, Jesus is going to be able to grow things and build things upon that. But you need to have it within you. And, and this is the thing. This is the thing that I've learned. You know, it is a compound effect of the kingdom. Things get better. Things get easier, you know? And and so in the beginning, it may seem like you don't have a lot. It may seem really hard. But let me just give you an example from my own life. You know, I've been talking about how I have a problem when people disrespect me, you know? And it's just an automatic thing. Someone cuts me off in traffic. Somebody doesn't acknowledge me. Maybe someone, you know... I just have this feeling like they think they're better than me. And it's just, it's a knee-jerk response. I get angry. You know, I yell. I'm like, what are you doing, you idiot? Did you see me here? What's wrong with you? And this is one of the things that I've learned, is that as the kingdom is being built within me, it's not like it all goes away right away, right? Remember, we've been talking about it takes time. You know, but this one of the things that I've noticed is that sometimes I, I still get, like, like, I still say the things that I used to say. Like, someone cuts me off, I'm like, what's wrong with you, you idiot? And that's the way I used to say it. Or, like, really, like, get mad. Honk the horn and, ah, get, like, really, really angry. And over time, it's become like this. Like, hey, what are you doing, you idiot? You see the difference? <laughs> Some of the heat is gone, Right? Some of that overwhelming emotion is gone. I still have that bad habit, right? Like, it still comes out. It's still a knee-jerk thing. But it gets easier. It gets better. Right? I find that some of the character of Christ, the patience, the, the, the not feeling so offended, not feeling like I have to be the one to stick up for myself, that is growing within me. And friends, what happens if you lose that heat the heat of emotion and anger of being wronged all the time, what happens? It gets easier then. It gets much easier to forgive people, to love people. This is the kingdom of God, friends. As it is being built, as God is building on that foundation, it's going to get better and better and easier and easier and more joyful. In the beginning, it may seem like a struggle, but make no mistake, to the one who has more will be given. It's Jesus' promise to you. And then he continues with this idea of, and he makes it very clear, the parable of the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. 
The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Remember, friends, we ended uh, last sermon with that parable of, you know, much fruit being grown. And we asked that question, how long does it take? And, you know, not by sheer coincidence, but I think there's a reason why. Now we hear a parable again about growing seed, right? But we're told a little more specifically. We're told how this happens. And what are we told? Seed goes into the ground, and then what happens? Instantly, you you get the results? No. He sleeps and rises night and day. And the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. What does it look like when you plant a seed? What does it look like? Nothing. (laughs) It looks like nothing. You look at it, and the seed is in the ground. And if you didn't know that the seed was there, it would be as if it didn't even exist, right? If somebody just looked at it on the surface, they would be like, what are you looking at? You're just looking at ground. You're like, no, 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 there's a seed in there. One day it will sprout. How do you know that? Well, you know because you've seen it happen before. But only if you've seen the vision of what happens can you truly know what is the destiny of that seed. For most people, it's going to look like nothing is happening. Just like Steve staring at the Instant Pot. This is the way for a lot of us in our spiritual lives. You try a spiritual discipline and you try it one day. And and I, I don't want to say it happens the same for everyone. But most people... And this has been my experience. When I tried spiritual disciplines, first day I did it, there were no fireworks. I, I'll be honest, it felt good because I finally did it, right? It just felt like I gave myself a pat on the back, you know? It was like a little kind of an a ego boost, like, oh, you did it, good job, Steve, right? But there's no demonstrable difference in my life. I wasn't more patient. I wasn't more loving. I wasn't more at peace, really, You know, other than just like, oh, that was nice, and I feel better because I actually did it, you know, finally. But friends, the the farmer gets up night and day. And somehow, somehow, if the seed stays in the ground, it's going to start to grow. Somehow. How? How? It is the work of God. God is the one who's going to bring that about. That is not your work. But what is your work then? What is the one thing that the farmer has to do to not screw it up? What's the one thing? Keep the seed in the ground, right? That's what the farmer has to do. He has to keep the seed in the ground, right? If the farmer is like, oh, see, I'm not sure if this is working, and he like his arm in the ground and rips out the seed, like, are you growing? Are you growing? It's not going to work. And I think a lot of us in the spiritual life, we, some, we, we do that in a way. We get impatient. We think that the things that we're doing aren't working. And we dive in there and we take out the seed prematurely. The earth produces by itself. First the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. And, and it's telling us there's a process. I, I showed you here because uh, he's talking about corn here, right? Ear, as in an ear of corn, right? This is what corn looks like. It's kind of cool because at first it just looks like any sort of ordinary leaf, right? Do you see the blade there on the left? You, you would see that and you'd be like, oh, it's like 
I don't know, some kind of ferny thing or, you know, it's, it's just a leaf. But after some time, it starts getting more robust, right? It starts building some, some three-dimensionality to that blade. And it becomes an ear. And there's something within it. And as it fully matures, you know, it gets thicker. It's got more weight to it. And if you were to take it off, you would see the nice, beautiful golden corn that we all know, right? And this is the process of the kingdom within us, right? This is how the kingdom grows. By the way, just as a little aside, we have been talking, and I've been trying to convince you, for those of you who are new, that the kingdom of God is not just something that happens after you die. We, we get this twisted, and these parables then make no sense to us, right? We're like, what are you talking about? The growing of the kingdom, right? Because it's going to happen after you die. But remember, even as we sang that song, here as in heaven, right? Your kingdom come, your will be done, here as in heaven. On earth, on earth as it is in heaven, right? There is one being that I know in all these stories that is from heaven, one being, one person. And who is that? Jesus, right? Jesus is the one from heaven. And Jesus has come to show us the kind of life that God desires, right? Because the kingdom of God is the world that should be if God reigned, if he was fully king. And this is the life that you see in Jesus. And this it does take time, friends, but there should be some signs of growth. Not at first. It's going to take time. Um, just to go back to the whole spiritual disciplines thing, um, one of the things that I've learned about any discipline, by the way, this goes for like disciplines of working out, you know, uh, any sort of uh, discipline to better yourself. It takes usually about two to three weeks before you see any results. Is that true when you work out? Anyone work out and then the next day you have a six-pack? Did that happen for anyone? Of course not, right? It takes about two to three weeks before you see any results. And, and, and you know, two to three weeks later, you look in the mirror, you're like, oh, okay, I see a little something. It's not a six-pack, but just like maybe a little, you know, just, just, just a tiny bit, right? You're like, you know what? If I look at a before and after picture and I look really closely, I see a little more muscle definition, Right? It takes time before you see some results. So friends, don't get this twisted. Don't think that, you know, your spiritual discipline, you're not showing anything, you know, that you should just do that forever, right? If you do that for like two months and you see no results whatsoever, maybe that's a sign that what you're doing isn't working, right? There should be some signs of growth, but let's not get it twisted. It's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen right away. But it's one of the encouraging things that as you push through, as you let the seed of the word of God get planted in your heart and stay there, you don't mess with it, it's going to grow. It just is. That's the way it works, right? And so then um, we're told that with what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? It is like the grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the, on the ground is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches. And so this idea that the kingdom seed may start small within you, but it gets big, it gets huge, 
It gets to be the size of something that is undeniable. Where do we see this kingdom? Where do we see it most displayed? Because remember, I told you, how do you know? How can we possibly know that there's any difference in soil that has a seed planted in it and soil that doesn't? How do we know that it's going to grow? And the way that God showed us is by sending his son, Jesus. All the word that we've been hearing, you know, I'll just give you one word from God. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads my path in righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. You are with me. This idea when God is with us and he is leading us in life, he is reigning in our lives, we don't have to want. We don't have to be desperate. We don't have to be searching for something and feel incomplete and feel not satisfied. We have all we need in God. We don't need to fall to the tricks of of marketing that says, hey, buy this, get this, and then you will have the full life. No, you can have it all in Christ. And your soul can be satisfied. You can be at peace. And we see that in Jesus. And that's why I included the story that may seem a little out of place. When Jesus goes off, and we're told, by the way, on that day, I think this is the way of connecting the stories we just heard about the growing seed of the kingdom, how this is going to get big and beautiful and awesome. It's going to become like a huge plant. You know, it starts so small, but it's going to get big. This is something good. You know, Jesus goes off on a boat with his disciples, and a great windstorm arises, and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling But where's Jesus? Jesus is in the stern, asleep on a cushion. He's just chilling on a pillow, right? And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Friends, how much willpower do you think it took for the disciples to ask this question? Do you think they had to like sit there and think about, hmm, I think I'm going to get freaked out by this storm. No. What happened? It just automatically came out of them. All their anxiety, all their fear, all their stress. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, we're going to die. We're going to die. Jesus, don't you care that we're going to perish? But Jesus is so different, so different. Jesus is asleep. How do you do that? How do you do that? It's as if there is something within him that is different than what is within the disciples. The kingdom of God. And then when Jesus finally gets up, he woke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? So friends, check this out. The peace and calm of the kingdom exists within Jesus. And then what does he do with it? Brings, out a, brings it out into the world, right? 
The peace of the kingdom is within him. And then he brings it out into the world. And he calms the seas. Friends, I'm telling you, the only way this happens, the only way Jesus is able to bring peace to the world, the only way he's able to calm the seas is if that calm exists in him first. It's the only way it happens, right? And so you see the seed get buried deep into Jesus. And he has a full sense of the goodness of God. God loves him. God is with him. And so Jesus is not anxious. Jesus is not worried. If there's a big windstorm, does Jesus think, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, maybe God doesn't love me and he's going to punish me and I'm going to die. He's like, no, I know who my father is. I know exactly who I am. And he knows that through and through in every part of his being. So he's not scared. It's one thing, friends, for us to say, we know these things about God, but do you know it in your body? It's one of the tests of anxiety for us, isn't it? You know, you could say to your blue in the face, oh, I'm, I'm calm, I'm not anxious. I'm not worried, I'm not stressed about anything. God's in control, amen, hallelujah. But then at night, what happens? You can't sleep. You can't sleep. Why? Because you're really anxious. The anxiety is within your body right? It's not to blame us, but it's just the reality of things, isn't it? But for Jesus, the, anxi- the, the, the kingdom drives out all the anxiety, all of the storms that could exist within us do not exist within Jesus. So Jesus, he can chill. Jesus can sleep. And this is what God wants to do for you. Remember, it is not just for you. It is not just for you, but for this world, We look at this world and there are so many people like the disciples panicking and freaking out. And out of that panic and and out of the freakouts, we are doing a lot of damage to this world, aren't we? We're doing a lot of damage to each other. What if we were people of the kingdom? What if the kingdom and God's will was not just in heaven where everything is perfect, but it started to exist within us first and then it started to spill out into other people. What if? What would that look like, friends? And the disciples, as they are in the presence of Jesus, you know, Jesus says to them, and I don't hear this with heat or venom, or Jesus is like, man, you guys are so stupid, right? But I think he has an honest question. Why are you so afraid? Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Remember, friends, as we've been talking about faith, faith is not just your intellectual, like, oh, okay, I believe there is a God. It is trust. It is Jesus asleep in the boat because he knows that God loves him, will protect him, and he doesn't need to worry about anything. It is completely in him. It is the child who doesn't freak out every time they get in the car, right? Because they trust in the parents, that the parents are not going to crash the car, right? Parents are going to take care of them. They trust that so completely that they can sleep, right? They can sleep in a house where it's scary and, you know, the shadows are are casting visions of, of monsters. But if the parent is in the room, they can fall asleep. Why? If mom and dad is here, I can trust them. I'm safe. Do you know that? 
Do you know that in your very being? Friends, I just want to end with this. I have been talking a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot about silence and being still before God, spending time with God so that these truths can start to seep in. So that's part of the message is it's going to take time. But the, the other part of the message is it surely will. Those truths will start to seep in more and more. And I come before you, friends, not as a perfect person, as this great example. I told you, I still get mad. I still get upset about those things. But I can tell you, as surely as I know, um, you know, that the sky is blue. Not always in Michigan. Sometimes it's gray. But <laughs> surely as I know, the sky is gray in Michigan. That God is bringing that peace into my life. I can see it. I can feel it. It gets better. It gets better. It is worth it, friends. It is absolutely worth it. We see Christians, saints, Christ followers, who are just like us. They're human beings. And all kinds of crazy tragedies would befall them. You know, I don't know, maybe a terrorist would kill their kids. Maybe, you know, somebody would die in a car accident. Maybe they would get paralyzed. And they would be able to sing that great hymn that was written by a guy who lost his family in a horrific, um, a horrific shipwreck. It is well with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. How can we possibly say that? The only way we can say that is if Christ is fully dwelling within us. Friends, we're going to go into our time of communion. And so if I could ask a, an usher to come up to, or a couple ushers actually, come and assist with the elements, please. Friends, uh, this is something that we do as uh, Christ followers, that we remember what Jesus did for us. This is a tremendous gift. Um, This this is a beautiful thing that God did for us. And I want to pray for us that as we hear the story again, that we can remember how much Jesus wants to be with us, to live within us, to reign us, to bring us peace and to bring new life into us. So let us pray. God, I thank you so much for the bread and the cup, which symbolize to us your complete sacrifice of love, your giving of yourself so that we can have your life within us, literally within us. Thank you so much, God. Thank you so much for Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for this incredible love. May this bread and may these cups become to us the body and blood of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.